0: All right, Keith Baldry is my guest, BC bureau chief for at the legislature for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about the breaking news at this hour. BC mm-hmm. Ferries has announced that has fired their CEO, Mark Collins. He is gone as the CEO of BC Ferries. He was being paid five hundred and thirty-five thousand bucks a year. He is gone. Probably going to get a big severance. Oh yeah. We don't know how much the big... He'll probably get a huge severance. We don't know how much. It'll what's be a big go, what's one. What's going and this, on here? Why did they fire this guy?
1: Yeah, this has been building for quite some time. I've been watching the deterioration uh, in the relationship between BC Ferries and, and provincial government for a number of years. Now it dates back to the beginning of the pandemic. If you recall, in April 2020, I just looked at an old Janet Brown story from from that time. Um, BC Ferries laid off 1,700 people. That infuriated the provincial government. No other operation, even though the BC Ferries has this strange corporate structure, which means the government's the sole shareholder, but not really the owner.
0: Yeah, they're, they're a private company. BC mm-hmm. Ferries is a private company that's effectively owned by the government. Yeah. so Which is like, you try and figure out that pretzel logic.
1: Exactly. And when they laid off 1,700 employees, that infuriated the, the NDP government. This yeah. is, a, uh, But they couldn't do anything about it. Anything but yeah. what they did do about it is the BC government and Ottawa together found $300 million to give to BC Ferries and BC Transit to allow those workers to be paid back. I don't think B.C. Ferry said a peep of thanks about that. So the deterioration, the relationship between Mark Collins and the government started to fray around the edges way back then, and it's deteriorated since. And then we got another clue in the last legislative session. Uh, The government brings in the Coastal Ferry Amendment Act, which sets up another authority to override the B.C. Ferry management operations where the authority could require B.C. Ferries to do A, B, or C. Also in there was a clause about setting executive compensation, which was another clue that something was coming here. Then you throw in the fact there's an ongoing, and this has been evident for some time, there's a morale problem at B.C. Ferries, amongst, particularly among senior management. Yeah. Uh, I've detected, I do a fair, know a fair number of people at B.C. Ferries, and the morale there has really sunk uh, uh, for, for quite some time. You put all that together. And then you throw in the fact the board was replaced last month, and guess yeah. who the chair of the board is? Joy McPhail. Ooh. Former uh, NDP cabinet minister who had been the chair of ICBC and oversaw the overhaul of ICBC. Yeah. Now you're going to see, I think, a bit of an overhaul of BC Ferries. Not dramatic, but uh, it does culminate in the departure of Mark Collins as CEO.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of pressure on the NDP government when John Horgan became premier to make BC Ferries basically a crown corporation mm-hmm. again, bring it right back inside inside government. After the liberals had done this weird privatization move with it, mm-hmm. and then, but they didn't do it; they didn't nope. go that and far. They, do you think they're regretting that
1: now? Or? Oh no, because and they won't. They're still going to fight that because uh, that means they have to bring the ferry debt onto the BC government books, and they don't want to do that because that could trigger uh, a downgrade in a bond rating. So that's a, that's a significant issue. And until the auditor general rules that, for some reason, the relationship is close enough to move that debt over to the BC books. You're not going to see this turn into a car. Okay, court.
0: that's very interesting. Like you mentioned, that the bad blood started here when all those workers at BC Ferries were laid off at the start mm-hmm. of the pandemic. But of course, there were travel restrictions in place. You were not. A lot of people were not allowed to travel mm-hmm. on ferries. That's why he laid them off. There was no business. Well,
1: and I think the tension I picked up. The government was saying, "Wait a minute. We give you two hundred thirty million dollars a year, and we don't give any other company that type of subsidy. You can't start laying off your staff when other." Parts of government aren't laying off uh, that number of people. That's when the bad blood really started. So, what
0: did the government want want him to do? Keep paying people. Keep paying, keep paying people. these workers we're, for not to for, to not work.
1: We're giving you a subsidy. Uh, that you got to keep these people on the books. Yeah, they're, that, that they're was probably, the source of tension.
0: They were probably getting an earful from the union.
1: Oh yeah, this is where a lot of problems started. And again, it was, I think it was a bit. I remember doing the stories at the time, I was a bit tone deaf of BC Ferries to suddenly lay off that type of number of people when other companies were also taking a Private companies weren't engaged in those types of layoffs necessarily. There was a lot of layoffs back then, no, make yeah. no question, but a lot of companies were biting the bullet and keeping their employees on the payroll.
0: Okay, so this guy's gone, and uh, what do they do start a search now for a permanent CEO? Yeah, they've
1: got a they've got a uh, interim CEO they've hired from within, Jill Sherland, I think her name is. She had been the chief uh, financial officer and continues to be that. And now they're on a search for a new CEO to replace uh, Mark okay. Collins.
0: Okay, very interesting. Okay, he's gone as the CEO of BC Ferries. He had been making five hundred and thirty-five thousand bucks a year in line, I no doubt for a big severance package here. All right, let's talk about the uh, City of Vancouver's lawsuit against. Big oil. <laughs> you know this. This one's got a, a dollar
1: lot. per voter.
0: Yeah, so it's over six hundred thousand bucks here to sue Big Oil, and the rationale here is that Adrian Carr, the the Vancouver City Council, was her idea, and she's saying that well, taxpayers are getting burned already by by climate change, wildfires, mm-hmm. and damage to the Stanley Park seawall, and uh, all the rest of you know damage, all the damage caused by climate change is costing us a fortune. So let's sue these big oil companies. It's their fault. Let's listen to a couple of clips here. Um, Bill Tillman running for Vancouver City Council this year. He's opposed to this lawsuit against big oil. Here's what he had to say about it.
1: Well, I think it's a terrible idea, Mike. It's not the city's jurisdiction, and it leaves the city open for liabilities, on legal costs, on what if you lose? I mean, Big Oil will have the best and brightest lawyers in the world fighting you, and well, what if you lose and you have costs against you on top of all the other costs? We should be spending on policing, or road repair, or cleaning the city, or all the other things that are city services that are falling behind right now, despite some big tax increases.
0: And here's Vancouver City Councilor Adrian Carr. This whole thing was her idea. Here's what she said.
1: The heat dome, the atmospheric river, polar vortex last year. What do you think the city is spending right now just to repair the damage? You're thinking like a dinosaur. We have to get off fossil fuels. (laughs) Let's make the oil companies help us by giving us back the money we've already spent and we'll need to spend to repair damage. Your thoughts. Well, I think people expect their city councils to do things local, fix the potholes, uh, make sure the streets are safe, uh, make sure there's adequate policing. Those are the issues that are near and dear to the voters at the municipal level, not these big lofty court cases. Uh, Again, this is going to be an issue in in the upcoming election campaign because this is not binding on the future council. They can revisit this issue. Uh, $660,000, $1 per voter. Uh, it's not big oil that's causing the damage. It's using big oil. It's the consumers. Well, of it's including the fuels. city of
0: Vancouver as a big fleet of gas-powered oh, vehicles. How much oil How much oil do they consume? Go down
1: to their city works yard uh, in terms of looking at uh, how many vehicles they've got. So they city of Vancouver is a major contributor to emissions in, sure. in Vancouver. So I think this is one of these... Uh, touchy feely municipal motions that really doesn't have much impact at the end of the day on 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 reality, but it does potentially mean the expenditure of hundreds of thousands of dollars that many people argue in the election campaign, Bill Tillman included, could be far better spent on making streets safer and making them safer from in terms of crime but also safer to drive.
0: I'm kind of surprised this is actually going forward. When I first heard a- Adrian Carr raise this idea, I thought, okay, uh, this is they're not going to back this. They'll well, back away six, from it. 6-5 vote. Yeah, and Kennedy Stewart, the mayor casting Cast the deciding yeah. vote. I was kind of surprised he went there knowing it, you know, he's vulnerable on it on an in an election potentially.
1: I think this could be a potential uh hot-button issue in the election campaign, yeah. and I don't think the public is on the side of uh, those councillors who voted for it.
0: Okay, speaking Particularly
1: when you're seeing the crime that we're seeing unfold daily, on the night on the night news, on Global, every night, there seems to be another random street attack yeah, in Vancouver. That's, that's right. what people are talking about.
0: Right. And I think a lot of people in, no matter where you live, if you live in Vancouver or other cities, are, are starting to think maybe their municipal governments are out of touch. So check this out. The city of Victoria decided to do a survey of its citizens mm. to get their, their citizens opinions on how uh, the city is performing and they got some bad news in this report they paid for 81 percent of residents surveyed here said they were either very dissatisfied or dissatisfied with the city government 81 percent that wow so here's uh i'll get your thoughts here in a minute keith victoria mayor lisa helps on this I wouldn't get too caught up in the statistics of a very small self-selected survey, but I do think that there are some good recommendations in there, and, and we should look at implementing them. It's important if we're going to be good government that we find out what we're doing well, what we can do better, and yeah, I, I mean, it's been a good process, and I'd encourage others to consider it as well. I'm not sure others would want to do a survey like this. Well, in I'm, other not sure,
1: I'm not sure how big the survey was, but that's got to be an alarming finding. 81% uh, are upset with city council as a victoria resident i'm actually surprised by that i mean victoria city council has its problems no question it's got some controversial members there who have had some out of left field uh, ideas sure. but to have that type of level of dissatisfaction is quite an extraordinary level and i often wonder if victoria which is fairly you know a very nice place to live and doesn't have anywhere near the urban problems that a lot of cities other cities have if Victoria is at 81%, what are other cities at which where the problems are conceivably worse? This may just...
0: All right. it's Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Doug in Surrey. Hi, Doug. Go ahead. And hey Mike and Keith, this thing where the uh, city hall is going to take on big oil, it'd be easier for them to try and find the bottom of sinking sand and to take on big oil because they're vast wealth and the people they can hire to uh, tell uh, Vancouver uh, City Council to take a hike the debt that they will accumulate in trying to beat big oil, they might
1: as well you know, shoot at the moon with a .22. Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, $660,000 is, is not a lot of billable hours in terms of uh, fighting a court case. So well, they're,
0: they're encouraging other municipalities to do the same thing. They are. In,
1: in fact, um, I think some other municipalities have already in, in the United States already signaled they intend to follow sure. the same. N- New York City yeah. has said they want to do this. So, and there are a number of environmental groups. West Coast Environment Law, I yeah. think, is the active one here. Right. That is encouraging city councils to get involved. So, Vancouver, I mean, this is not a standalone situation. Yeah. Other municipalities are getting involved in this as well. But again, I go back to I think at the end of the day, voters are always looking, fix my street, fix the potholes, make the streets safe. Don't get involved in these sort of long, unfocused court challenges.
0: I don't think there will be a lot of enthusiasm for other cities to, to do the same thing here. No, know, well, Maybe Victoria City Council will get or, on board. Or Seattle. Yeah.
1: you know, But I ways. don't
0: think in B.C. No. there will be a lot. Maureen in Surrey, Hi. I well, agree with that, of course. Uh, just another dash of naivety and stupidity from our local government, I'd say.
1: Yeah, well, again, city councillors can reach too far in, on a lot of these issues and forget what's happening in their backyard. I mean, on Global News Hour, the last few nights, there have been random street crimes that I think people in Vancouver are talking about far more than they're talking about uh, taking on Big Ol. And Max Cameron, the poli-sci prof out at UBC, who's very, very good, Pointed out yesterday, the challenge right now with so many issues on the table, affordability, street crime, they're competing with this type of issue of taking on big oil where people are prioritizing different issues right now as a result of their own personal circumstances.
0: The the people who support this, by the, by the way, Adrian Carr this week said that the city right now is already spending $50 million a year on, on road repairs that she... She pins on a lot of it on climate change mm-hmm. because a lot of the bills that the city is facing right now is because of the damage from climate change. Could be so that's why you know she's saying that taxpayers are getting burned for a hell of a lot more money than six hundred thousand bucks by climate change. So that's the way that she frames the argument. She also compares it to lawsuits against big tobacco, right, for mm-hmm. healthcare costs associated with like cancer treatment and other and other healthcare problems from smoking. You know, the thing is though, I mean, BC sued big tobacco. How many years ago, took, and they're still trying to get years money out? ago, yeah. yeah,
1: it's it's a uh,
0: decade, like over, over quixotic, d- a decade ago.
1: Quixotic uh, gesture here on that end. It's having some impact. I mean, yeah. you now again, smoking rates are going down uh, uh, as a result of some litigation, such as this. But lost in the debate here, going after big oil, someone's using big oil. Guess what? It's the people of Vancouver and everywhere else—you got to get people off fossil fuels before you can pretend to have an impact on on going after big oil and courts.
0: Let's go to Al on the line in Coquitlam. Hi, Al.
1: Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. You know, I, uh, two points uh, in terms of the uh, city of Vancouver—you know—carrying forward with this lawsuit, I, I agree with you both. I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you need to look inward when you're a city, and I mean, looking outward, Adrian Carr's argument about climate change and the potholes—I mean I, mean, I mean, to me, that's—I think that's a bit of a stretch. You know, you're looking for a good reason to make that argument, but I don't think that's it. Like you say, with crime, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I just think that focus is, you know, it'd be like a parent saying, you know what, focus inward before you focus outward. Um, and then, secondly, I just wanted to get your, uh, your take on the sort of the health crisis here because we've got a lot of family physicians sort of leaving. It was an article in CBC about another physician leaving, and I don't know if the government's really doing much to address it. Maybe they are, and it's just not being said.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for the
1: call. Uh, first of all, when you, when you talk about climate change and, and potholes, there were a lot of potholes before global warming became an issue. So it, it's not as if potholes suddenly create, are created because of global warming. In terms of the healthcare crisis, you're absolutely right. There is people leaving family practices for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the re- big concerns is the fee-for-service model just isn't working for doctors anymore. Their fees are not going up to keep pace with their overhead costs with when it comes to staff, rental, leasing, that type of thing. It's just the business model isn't working for a lot of doctors and it's yet to be fixed. It, I'm told there are talks going on between the doctors at BC and the provincial government as they negotiate a new master agreement. So this, some of this will be addressed, but I, I just don't think it's going to be addressed in a timely fashion.
0: Well, we also saw Premier John Horgan point the finger at the feds over the doctor shortage and Saying that federal government's not putting enough money into health care. and wasn't it interesting that Justin Trudeau did a swing through BC this week? And I don't believe he met with Horgan. Nope. Didn't meet so, with anybody in the so government. So is the, the bloom off the rose there, and that friendship?
1: Oh, I think so. Um, also true. You know, Horgan's leaving, so yeah. politics can be pretty brutal. The PMO is now looking to, uh, probably to see what the relationship was going to be with David Eby. Yeah, Chris
0: and Langley. Hi, Chris. You got thirty seconds.
1: Well, I just wanted to be. Uh I guess the consenting vote here uh, I agree with the lawsuit uh, you know these, we're spending so much money these guys are profiting so much they spent so much money to uh, to put out a different narrative to counter climate change counter action against climate change so yeah I don't know why we have to flip the full bill when they're they're reaping the profits. so I'm definitely okay with the lawsuit.
0: Thank you Chris I'm glad we got the other side of it. Well, we got
1: one one caller in favor of oh. uh, of this lawsuit. Again, I think this is going to be a very interesting issue in the election campaign. Look for people like Bill Timmons to raise it whenever they can.